with him. Father, Son, Holy Spirit in one with us. Just rest in that. So last time, I uh, just want to echo some things real quick uh, because it's been a couple of weeks since I spoke. We had our, some of our mothers speak last week. And so um, one of the last times that I spoke, Hebrews 11, 6, um, it talks about believing upon him. And I mentioned that it's more than just belief because Satan even believes. The demons even believe and they tremble, yet they're still a devil, right? And so that part says, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So it is believe that he exists, yes, but also that he is a rewarder. What does that mean? We believe that he is what? Good. That he is good. Um... And so I've been stuck on that for a long time, his goodness. And I think I'll be stuck on that for eternity. I don't think we can outspeak about the goodness of God. So if you come here and you say, Brian, you've been speaking about the goodness for a year now. Well, I will probably continue to be speaking on if you come a year from now. Here's the thing. He is able to do above and beyond anything I ask, seek, or even think and imagine in my own brain. So how can I exaggerate His goodness? How can I exaggerate the grace of God? You can. Right? You can. Alright? So, um, another thing that we talked about last time was faith. And a lot of times we try to push in, Right? got to work harder at it we got to press in harder at it didn't get what we want to see so we got to press in even more gather up some more people so we can press in even more and faith is simply as we looked at last time is a place of surrender where we're surrendering to what he's already accomplished whenever he's on the cross and he says it is finished to tell us that it is finished it is done to believe and surrender to the point that we believe that it is really finished. That it is a place of victory. That it is a place of it is finished and we are in Him and He is in us. And so we want to be in that place. And so then how we ended last time was we seek and we shall find. Jeremiah talks about the seeking. Then Jesus, when He's on the scene, He says, Seek, knock. It will be open to you. Right? So it is a place of surrendering, but yet a place of seeking and wanting nothing but Him. When I say want nothing but Him, a lot of times we want to go to the Lord and we want to say all these things. It's on our list. And then we say, bye, see you later till next time. You, I presented you everything. That way you know what I need. You know what I want. But seek him first and all these things will be added to you. You think he already knows the desires of your heart? I'm not saying don't ask. I'm saying he is the desire. 
when we come into his presence and he is the desire that we seek all those other things will be added to us I want to just come to a place of seeking a place of surrender so when we come in this place whether we be outside whether we be at the park whether we be inside whether we be through Monday through Saturday that we're waking up from a place of surrender to nothing but him we're waking up to a place that says here I am waking up to a place that says I offer myself to you completely fully submitted to you mind body soul spirit so if you have your bible 2nd Corinthians chapter 3 2nd Corinthians chapter 3 We're going to begin reading in verse 7. We're going to break apart this passage. We've looked at it several times before. There's always little nuggets that we miss every time. And he keeps adding things. Not that he keeps adding to his words. It's just we keep discovering more. As part of that seek. As part of that mystery. That he continues to unveil the mysteries to us. The more we press in. The more we seek the more he begins to show, okay? So in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and I'm in the Passion Version, it says, Even the ministry that was characterized by chiseled letters on stone, tablets, came with a dazzling measure of glory. Though it produced death, the Israelites couldn't bear to gaze on the glowing face of Moses because of the radiant splendor shining from his countenance, a glory destined to fade away. Yet, How much more radiant is this new and glorious ministry of the Spirit that shines from us? For if the former ministry of condemnation was ushered in with a measure of glory, how much more does the ministry that imparts righteousness far excel in glory? What once was glorious no longer holds any glory because of the increasingly greater glory that has replaced it. The fading ministry came with a portion of glory, but now we embrace the unfading ministry of a permanent impartation of glory. So then, with this amazing hope living in us, we step out in freedom and boldness to speak the truth. We are not like Moses, who used a veil to hide the glory to keep the Israelites from staring at him as it faded away. Their minds were closed and hardened, for even to this day, the same veil comes over their minds when they hear the words of the former covenant. The veil has not yet been lifted from them, for it is only eliminated when one is joined to the Messiah. So until now, whenever the Old Testament is being read, the same blinding comes over their hearts. But the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. Now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. And wherever He is Lord, there is freedom. We can all draw close to Him with the veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into His very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. But what does this passage say about God? Um, I think for me, too, a command in this would be um, a word that he says after he's explaining that old type 
covenant, and he says, um, but now we embrace this unfading ministry. So I think a command, too, would be to embrace it, right? We try to fight it a lot of times. We try to get into our mindset that it has to be a certain way. Religion has taught us that it has to be this way or it can't be God, right? It has to be in a building with a steeple or it can't be God. It has to be this. Uh, the pastor can't have a hat on his head. Uh, uh, right. I'll wear shorts. Um, and I had no thoughts about it this morning. Like, I just put it on, you know, and went to church. Um, so... You're free. There's liberty. Um, but to embrace this unfading ministry is to embrace a ministry that you are face-to-face encounters. So much so, you're inviting people into that same circle. You see what I'm saying? And that's wherever you go. Not just on a Sunday or a Wednesday, this structured thing that we tried to place. But the fact is, is you get to live in that all the time. You don't just have to listen to me. I'm not trying to even get you to be like me. I hope that every time you hear me talk, I'm trying to get you to see what's available for you to have all the time. 24-7. It's you and him. Like, it's available. Like, you don't even have to get it from me. In fact, he says, I'm sending you a helper that's going to teach you on your own. Who wants to be in commune with you every day. Right? Really, the most point that we have of coming together is to encourage one another, Paul says. That's why we want to be here together. Not so you can get fed once a week, right? Um, now, we're going to try to feed you while you're here with the, with the Word. But it is not for you to get your fix and then wait till the next week to get your fix. It is to encourage you that you have this all the time available for you, right? So I'm going to pass out some passages. Need some volunteers. Proverbs 25, 2. Jeremiah 33, 3. Exodus 3, 1 through 6. All right. And then whoever is going to volunteer for this one, um, know you're going to read for a while. Exodus 33. That's a chapter. And we're not going to read the whole chapter. I'm just going to be listening to you read, and I'll tell you when to stop. All right. Thanks, boss. Proverbs 25, 2. All right, so one of the last things that we looked at is the fact of um, seeking and we will find. Um, I want to just kind of pick up on that with this same embrace, right? Where Paul's saying we embrace this, right? And he says you can still live in those olden days now, even though this is readily available and made available for you. In fact, it's been so made available for you, you're already included and you don't even know it. Right? Like, that's how good it is. Like, that's, he's like, I've already, if all died in Christ, all died. If all raised in Christ, all were raised, Paul says. And so he's saying, we need to get you to embrace this, right? You're still reading it under some old eyes. And I need to give you some new lenses to put on so you can actually see what's already taking place and this is available for you now. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work your way into it. You don't have to just try to go around guessing. I'm giving you a little piece at a time. So at first, why don't you just receive this message that I'm giving you? And if you'll receive this part of this message, I guarantee you, you're going to go to the next level and to the next level and to the next level, just you and him. 
Remember, Paul's not going to be there with these Corinthians every day. He's writing them a letter to encourage them. And he's trying to give them something that they can live on, which is him. This relationship, this thing that has already been taking place and is ready and available for them right now. Right? And he wants us to get the same thing. Proverbs 25, 2. Long before the new covenant even come in, Solomon, in all his wisdom, wrote this verse. God God does what? Hides some things. Right? God, and notice the wording that it uses there. God is glorified by concealing and hiding things. Think about that. He is glorified in his hiding some things and some mysteries. Now, you got to get into your head. He is not hiding them from you. He is hiding them for you. Bill Johnson always liked to give, a, give an example of him and his wife hiding Easter eggs for their kids when they were little. They didn't hide them from them. They hid them for them, right? When they were much younger, they would kind of leave some things out in the open, right? Make it not too hard. And they would run and they'd find them, be so excited. Look what I got, look what I got. But as they got older, they had to get a little bit more clever and hide maybe under this rock. Or maybe hide in this little notch here. Why? Because they're growing. And the Lord does the same thing with us. It is actually glorified in Him that He conceals some things for us. Why? Because He enjoys to see His children discover Him. He enjoys His children to discover Him in all of His glory. Now notice the second part of that though. So as He draws us into this journey though, it says it is up to the kings to do what? Search those things out. Who are you? Your prophet, priest, and king in this new covenant. In fact, not only are you a king in this new covenant, the actual king of kings lives in you. And the king of kings lives in you. In fact, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that we were just talking about, that if you are enfolded into Christ, meaning you are one, folded into one another, you have been given the mind of Christ. So he has given you all these resources, in other words, to say, I have given you total access to the kingdom. There may be some things hid here, and there may be some things hid here, but it is only, only so you will discover them. And so that I can take delight in watching you grow from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. Ever increasing, Paul says in that chapter we just read. He's wanting you to grow in that aspect. And he enjoys it. So it is his glory that he has it. But it is, it is, it is us, the kings, who find and discover all those things. Right? Jeremiah 33.3. The word great there. Great, right? One version says great and mighty things, right? I think it's the New King James says great and mighty. Uh, and so he says, search me and I will show you these great and mighty things. Now, let's compare that to what we just read in Proverbs 25. 
In Proverbs 25, he says, It is the glory of God to conceal these things, but it is the what? It is the kings who do what? Search them out. Right here in Jeremiah 33, he says, You search me, I'm going to show you great and mighty things. The word great there means considerably above average. So what's the first thing he's going to show you? Above average things. What does that mean? Peculiar things that are not of this world. Paul tells us later on, set your thoughts on things that are above, not on things of this earth. We have to get a new understanding. How did John introduce, John the Baptist introduced Jesus? Repent, which means metanoia. You have to change your thinking. You're thinking too much like the world. I need you to think like things above, right? What are we doing? Getting into a place where he is there. That's why a lot of times at the end of the service, we don't we don't have a lot of invitations, traditional invitations, where we ask you to come down an aisle and squall for a long time. But a lot of times the invitation is for you to experience him and to take you into a face-to-face encounter with him. Why? Because I believe if you can get in the habit of doing that here, you can do that at home. And I would rather you experience Him every single day than to just say, I only experienced Him when I went to that church. That's right. That's right. That's right. Remember, that's right. Everything in parables make people think, and still the disciples that were closest to him didn't get it most of the time. So I think it's it's all about the invitation of us getting closer and closer and closer. Yeah, that's right. That's good. That's good. So you think about this word. You search me, and you will find great and mighty things. I will show you. Okay. So still thinking about that Proverbs. 25. He's concealing those things not from you, but for you. So He wants you to find them. Right? They're like little nuggets of invitation to come come a little closer. Let's go a little deeper. Right? He's throwing them out there. Remember, He never overrides your will. He's not going to take you further than you want to go. Right? Right? God is faithful to His promises. Right? He is faithful to His promises. Yes and amen. But he don't have to be faithful to your potential. Did you hear me? He is faithful to your promises. To his promises. But he doesn't have to be faithful to your potential. Meaning he throws it out there. But he's not going to make you do it. He's not going to make you uncover it. When I throw those Easter eggs out there for my kids, I'm not going to make them do it. If they don't go out there and get them, I'm not going to whoop their behind. They just gonna miss out. I may have hit a hundred dollar bill in one of them, and they don't even know. But hey, they missed out. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go pick that thing up and put it back in my pocket. Right? They just missed out. Right? And so these are invitations for us. Invitations for us to go deeper. So the word mighty there, I mean great there, is considerably above average. So it is greater things. It is above the things that we can already think and imagine. It is above those things. The next word that's in that passage in Jeremiah 33 is mighty. The word mighty there means this. 
because we, we have to get these understandings or else we're going to miss some of this stuff. Mighty there means inaccessible. Did you hear it? I'm going to show you inaccessible things. I'm going to show you things that are above average, some things that are above your thinking. Some things that are above a, of, of our mental intellect. I'm going to go above those things. I want to show you those things. If you'll seek me, that's the things I want to show you. If you seek me, I'm going to also these inaccessible things. These things that go beyond what most people ever get to experience. These inaccessible places where you think they're, you can't get there from here. I'm going to take you there. I'm going to take you there. I gave you a little nugget of that yesterday in your, if you didn't read your reading from yesterday, um, in your Bible reading plan and online, and I gave you a little nugget there. I said, the word there was transported. And I named you five people in the Bible that, that it talks about transportation. Instant transportation. Now we think that's sci-fi, but it's in the Bible. But that's not your intellect thinking. That's above average. Okay? So I want you to go above and beyond your thinking. Like he's a limitless God. Okay? He is limitless. And these inaccessible places he wants to take you. So in other words, if we combine those things together, of what Jeremiah is saying there, that great, considerably above average, mighty, inaccessible, that means what he's saying there. God has given us access to the inaccessible. He's given us total access to the inaccessible. To the go beyond what we can ask, think, or imagine. Right? Paul says that's where he is. That we are seated in that place above where our intellect is. Right? And he's wanting to take you to these places. Okay? So Exodus 3, 1 through 6. This is going to be just kind of a foundation to get our reminder going so that we can go then into Exodus 33. So Exodus 3, 1 through 6 says this. you get that picture in your mind based off of what we just covered this morning so far now put this in the story of Moses Moses just going about his ordinary day a place on the mountain that he has passed many times out there shepherding right many many times and all of a sudden he sees out of the corner of his eye this bush that is all of a sudden in flames right curious he looks and he notices this thing ain't even burning up. It's just flames coming out of it, but nothing's happening, right? We burned a big pile yesterday. Flames going high, ash going up, right? All this stuff crackling and popping and da 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 and things are disappearing as they're going into there, right? We've all seen fire. And he notices that's not what's happening here. He notices just staying the same. It's not changing. 
And what does he do? The Bible says he stops what he's doing, his ordinary life, his ordinary daily routine. He stops it, turns to investigate. And then she read, and when God saw that he stopped to turn and look, what did he do? Then he spoke to him. It's an invitation for a greater glory. Moses is just going on about his business. He's going about his normal routine. He's going about his normal day. And there in his normal routine, in his normal day, God gives him a little egg, a little nugget to say, if you'll open this prize, open this little thing that I want to show you, I'm going to take you to a higher glory, a different glory, a different measure of glory, way higher than your thinking, right? Way higher than his thinking at that point. Because now he's about to send him to, to deliver the people, right? So there he is, and it's an invitation. When he turns and looks, and God sees that he turns and looks, it's an open invitation now for an open conversation. And he takes him and he draws him in deeper. So I was thinking about that, and as I was reading that, I was thinking about all throughout my life, right? And, and remember what I said earlier. He's not going to take you... He's not going to override your will, right? So he works in our boxes, so to speak. He's already outside our boxes, by the way. But sometimes he'll work inside our boxes so he can get us out of them. Do you hear me? So I had this religious mindset, this religious box set that had been trained into my brain, right? And he worked inside those places, right? So I can look back all over my life and I started thinking about all these things in my life where he still met me, even though I was in the box, he didn't leave me. Even though I placed him in the box, he didn't leave me. He decided to work in my box so he could get me out of. I thought about all the times I went to church camp, and he moved in my life as a boy. I thought about all the times when I went to church camp as an adult, taking kids, and he still moved in my life. But he was also, I had also had limits on him during those times. But guess what he still did? He still met me. He still talked to me. He still drew me out. He gave me little nuggets to draw me a little bit further and a little bit further. Right before we left the mainstream church and started this, two separate occasions I can remember. One being on the floor at the office at the church, on my face, because I'm studying in Philippians and he's rocking my world at the way Paul and his devotion to God to the point that I even question, am I even saved? Like I'm comparing myself to Paul here and I'm thinking, what happened? Like, I'm just like amazed at what Paul's saying in this, right? And so he begins to just rock me and I just begin to ask questions like, am I doing what you want me to do? Am I where I want? where you want me to be. Is there more to this than what I'm trying to do? Those kind of questions all of a sudden begin to rock me. And because of an invitation, he said, here's your little nugget. If you'll open this, I'll take you to the next nugget. So I opened the nugget. Now, now, mind you, when you open the nugget, it doesn't mean everything goes like you want it. You hear me? Because when Paul, I mean, when Moses opens this nugget, his life's about to change, by the way. Remember, he starts saying, who am I to go do this thing that you want me to do? I can't do this, right? And he takes Moses on a heck of a journey. 
So when you open the nugget, he takes you to another nugget. And I remember just a couple of weeks after that, I'm in my shower and I'm squalling in my shower. I'm still thinking, I'm not doing what you want me to do. And then I'm, my body's wrestling, my mind's wrestling like, you've got a good ministry going, you've got a good thing going. Quit listening to the enemy. He's just wanting to stop all the good things that are going. And so don't get me wrong, there were some good things going. Right? Moses had some good things going in his life at that moment. He was away from the enemy. He had got saved from the enemy. You know, all that kind of thing. But that's not what the end of the story. God warned him, had a different mission for him. Right? And so God began to throw out these little invitations to me. He didn't reveal the whole plan at one time. He still hasn't revealed the whole plan at one time. But the glory we're experiencing right now was because some previous glory encounters that were smaller, right? That are leading us to greater encounters and greater encounters and greater encounters, right? There are encounters that I experienced this past year on my back porch outside with him that I wouldn't trade for anything in the world. But guess when they happened? When I began to let him meet me where I was and open the door and say, all right, I see that this is in that word. I see that it's in there. And even though I have never heard nobody talk about it, even though I know I don't know anybody, I know everybody's going to think I'm crazy if, if this is really what it says, and I believe it. But that's what you said. So I'm just going to trust that I actually can see you. I'm going to trust that I actually can converse with you. I'm going to trust that we can actually have face-to-face encounters. I'm going to trust that you can show me dreams and visions and things that you said that are going to happen when you pour out your spirit on all flesh. And you did that in Acts chapter 2. So therefore, we are living in that time. So I'm going to believe that I can see those things. I'm going to believe that I can hear from you. I'm going to believe that you have a word for my brother and I'm going to be able to hear that word at that moment and give it to him. I believe that you're going to be able, that I'm going to be able to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I'm going to believe these things because you said it was so. And whenever I begin, Brent prayed it this morning, and that's also in your word for this morning, um, in your reading, if you haven't got to it yet, that's in it this morning, is this. What is the only work that I require of you? Only believe. So when we believe that it is accessible and it is possible, guess what happens? The door opens for a new opportunity. The door opens for you to grow to a different measure of glory, from glory to glory to glory. Okay? Now notice what happens. Let's skip on 30 more chapters. Now, a lot of things happen in these 30 chapters, right, to get us to this point. But let's look at Exodus 33. Begin reading in verse 1, and then I'll shut you down in a minute. And the dust mites. Oh, just those are kids. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people were 
Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now in your ways that I may go to you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider to you that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. All right, right there. I want you to picture that. It gives you a picture of Moses multiple times going into encounters with God. Did you get that? That the people are used to that. The people are used to seeing Moses going face to face with God all the time, it says. Right? Because it says he spoke to him face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And multiple times he would go into that place. And so he's reminding the people that this was often that what he would do. Now he's asking Moses, I got this assignment that I want you to do. And Moses tells him, God, I ain't going unless you go with me. When he first starts out, he says, and the angel will go with you. And he's like, no, hold up. Hold up. The angel's good and all that kind of stuff. But I ain't going unless you're going to be with us. What does that say? Because of his past encounters with this face-to-face guy, he knows there is nothing greater than that. And he don't want to do anything unless God is going to be there with him. Right? Like, you can send the angels. You can do all that. You can send me Aaron with me. You can do all these things. But I ain't going unless you go. And so it's, it's, it's saying, hey, there's a relationship that's already been established here by the encounters that we have had. Multiple encounters that we've had that I don't want to even go to work without you. Right? Can we say that for ourselves? That we've had so many encounters with Him, I can't even go to work without you. Or do we just normally just get up, do our routine, brush our teeth, put on our clothes, go to work, come back home, and then hopefully somewhere in there we'll find time to read our devotion for the day tell him what our needs are, and then go to sleep again? Or is it that we start off in an encounter and we experience the encounter all day? That I don't want to go anywhere. I don't even want to go to the gas station without you. Are we so used to encounters with that? Because this is Moses in the old covenant. This is Moses in an inferior covenant. This is Moses who was limited in what he could experience, but yet, yet, what is he experiencing? Sometimes I think he's experiencing greater things than we did. But yet we got it better. So what happened? Eyeballs, perception, we're not looking right. We don't know what we have. And we haven't yet come to the place where we want to seek and find. Because if we're seeking, we will find. That's a promise. When we seek, we will find. And when we find, we're going to go into a greater measure of glory and a greater measure of glory and a greater measure of glory because that one seeking is going to lead to another seeking. And that seeking is going to lead us to another encounter and another encounter and another encounter. Right? Now, going to the next chapter, chapter 34, because he does go. Now, I want you to listen to what happens on the mountain as he comes down. Chapter 34, verse 29 and start on 29, end on verse 35. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of testimony in his hands, uh, with two tablets of testimony in his hands, he came down from the mountain. The 
most did not know that the Kenwood stays shown to the Lord of God. There and all the people of Israel saw Moses and behold the Kenwood stays shown, and they were afraid to come here. But Moses called them there and all, and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him. Moses told them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came here and commanded them all that, he, that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Moses went in before the Lord speak with him, and he would remove the veil until he came out. He came out and told the people of Israel what he was commanded. The people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining, and Moses would put the veil over his face and he Okay. So Moses comes down off the mountain with the two tablets. And what happened to Moses' face? It's shining. So much so that they said, what? Bro, you got to cover that thing up. That's too bright. I can't see. Right? Something happened between what we read a while ago in 33 when he says, please go with me, and this. And this is why I say something different happened. How often did he go meet with God? Often. Right? And that what it said in that chapter earlier. In, in chapter 33, it says, he went often to meet with the Lord. This is the only time that is recorded, though, that he came off the mountain in his face shown. Did you get that? So he's had multiple encounters. Multiple encounters. Multiple face-to-face encounters because Moses talks to him as a man speaks to his friend, it says. But this is the only times recorded that his face actually shone. So bright that they said, bro, you got to cover that thing up. What happened in between there? Well, if we go back to the story, and if Aaron would have kept reading in chapter 33, if I'd have let him, but it's just long, so I just tried to summarize it for you. What happened was he says... I want to see your glory. God, show me your glory. I want to see your glory. Right? And he tells Moses, whenever I pass by, when I pass by you, I'm going to hold you in the cleft of that rock, and when I pass by you, I will let you see my goodness. Don't let you miss that. Do not miss that. I want to see your glory. God's answer I will show you my what? Why am I so pressed on goodness all the time, the goodness of God? One is because we have a misconception of who God really is. We have a misconception of what things are from God and what things are not from God. Right? We got a misconception a lot of, a lot of times about the Father. And, and, and Moses wanted to see His glory and experience His glory because he realizes that the glory, right... The glory is what's going to transform him to be able to do what he's called him to do. Right? So the glory, remember John 17. In John 17, Jesus is praying for you. He's praying for me. He's praying for all of us. And he says in that in John 17, he says, God, Jesus says, God, take me back to the place where we experienced the glory together before we ever said, let there be light. Before we ever said the first thing, let us go back to that place. Let us go back to that glory that we shared together, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and face-to-face mirroring one another. Let us go back to that where we shared that glory. And he says, and then I'm going to bring them into that place where we are so that they can share in that glory too. How are you going to share in that glory? According to the way Moses experienced the glory. Face-to-face experiencing his what? Goodness. His goodness. His goodness. 
You think about, even in the church today, especially the church in America, you tell me how much division is on His goodness. Now, they will all tell you that God is good. They'll all tell you that. But their definitions of God's goodness is way different all over the board. I mean, it is all over the place. Right? God's good because He gave me cancer. God gave me that cancer so I'll finally wake up from my sin. So He good. You see how twisted that is? Now, can He use cancer to awaken you up? Yeah. But is He the author of sickness? God can't give anything He don't have. Is God sick? No. See how simple it is? But we try to make it so difficult. Whose ploy is that? Goes right back to your example earlier, Alex. Satan didn't do all that. He just had to give you one thing. You took it and ran with it. Religion took it and ran with it. And we have such a confusion on the goodness of God. That He really is good. And we blame things on Him that's not even Him. And yet, He still meets us in our box. You know those people who claim those things? That He still tries to meet them where they are in their box? Do you know that they still experience God some? Yeah. Why? He meets them where they are. And He wants to meet you where you are this morning. But praise God, I want to go further. I don't want to be stuck in that old mentality anymore. I don't want to be stuck in that old box. I don't want the old wineskin. I want the new wineskin filled with the new wine. Right? So my old wineskin don't have to burst and go all over the place. I want to be full of Him. Of Him, Him. The real Him. Not some fake not some religious made up. Not just, we just use it as a cliche. God is good. God is good all the time. All the time, God's good. I don't want to use it as a cliche. I want to really know it. In my knower, all the way down to my heart, I want to know it and I want to experience it. You want? You know what I'm saying? And if, Just think if, if America itself had a revelation of the goodness of God. I believe then the glory of God would spread over the earth as the waters cover the sea. How I know that? We just read it. What's He want to show the world? His goodness so that they can experience His glory. So they can experience His glory. Close your eyes. Let's go there. We said this Wednesday night. Place your hand on your head. Right on your forehead. Just as if you were going to pray over your own self. Right? So take the palm of your hand. Got that anointing oil. Slap yourself in your head. I'm just kidding. Just put it on your head. Just as if you're going to pray over your own self. Now, this this is not going to work if you just say it to yourself inside your head. And this is why. Authority is released by your mouth. So I want you to say out loud, speaking directly to your head, mind, 
you are not a good master. But you are a good servant. And so I place you under the authority of the Spirit of God and my spirit intertwined. And we tell you, mind, what is real, what is acceptable, and what is pleasing to God. Father, we receive all your blessings. We receive everything that you have given us. Everything you have given us is good. And you have given us the secret things of you. The deep things of you. In fact, it says that your spirit searches the deep, innermost secrets of the Father. And then the spirit intertwined with our spirit reveals those things to us. But most of the time they get lost between our two ears because our mind is not set on things above. So Father, we set our mind on things above. We set our minds on truth. We set our minds on things that may not make sense to most people around us. They may not even make sense to us. But Father, we're believing and we're trusting and we want to step in, even if it's our tippy-toe. We're just taking a step of faith right now in a place of surrender. Just picture yourself. You're on the edge of that pool. You're on the edge of that water. It's all you see right there is the edge of the water. To put your toe in it, you have to surrender your fears. You have to surrender all those things that are holding you back. You surrender to a place of trust. And you just dip it down in now I want you to look look forward in your spirit from that place you just stuck that toe in and it is an endless, endless ocean of water. Second Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says that you have been folded in Christ. And so you've trusted enough to stick your toe in. I want you to picture yourself now you're a glass of water. And I'm taking that glass of water to the middle of that ocean. And I'm pouring you into that ocean. What just happened to that water? It got fully submerged until I can no longer tell it's you anymore. But you're just part of the ocean. He has done that with you. And immersed you in this ocean of love and grace until I can no longer tell it is you separate from Him that you were one. That's you. That's where you are. That's not where you are sometimes. That's not where you are whenever you're doing the right thing. That's where you are. And the Father wants in His good pleasure, and His goodness and His faithfulness wants to open your eyes and let you see that. How deep, how wide, how vast His love is for you. His goodness. His goodness.
deep cries out to deep. Deep cries out to deep. Just let him rest in you. You rest in him. Just picture him there with you. Intertwine with him and folded in him. Pass out the juice and the brim. Remember who you are. We just sang about it. What He says about you. Not what you think about you. Not what you've been told about you. Not what religion told you about yourself either. What He says about you is truth. That's truth. Where He says you are, you are seated in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father with Jesus. That's where you really are. Not your unfortunate circumstance right now. That's not your reality. Just let a song rise up in your heart. Think about the old Psalms. His goodness, love endures forever. So as we sing, this is my daily bread. We're just picturing and knowing that this is His body that was broken. Amazing thing to me is that He says, "I won't drink of this again until we drink it in the kingdom together." And after the resurrection, we find them eating it and drinking it with them in the upper room. What does that mean? The kingdom's here. The kingdom's at hand. The kingdom is now. The kingdom's within. And as we symbolically eat of His flesh and drink of His blood right now, He is right here with us. And He is in us. And we consume You, Father. Yes, indeed. He is good. He is better than you think. He is better than you think. So when you think He's so good and surely He can't be that good, you're right. He's better. <laughs> so let that be your compass. Let that be your guide. Let that be your ruler of how good He is. When you think He surely can't be that good, you're right. He is better. He's better than you think. So be blessed this week. Have a good week. Seek and you will find. Amen. Love you guys.